How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. You only want what's best for your baby. And so does BJ's. BJ's offers a variety of baby products that will take you from playtime to bath time to bedtime and beyond. Shop now through September 24th at BJ's for $3 off Johnson's, Aveeno, or Desitin baby products. Only the best will do when it comes to caring for your little ones and for parents, too. Give your baby that special care and save big at BJ's. Welcome to The Approach Shot, the golf show that's more laughs than links, more stories than strokes, more guffaws than golfers. Here are the hosts of The Approach Shot, John Ashton and Neil Michaels. Welcome to The Approach Shot. I'm Neil Michaels. I'm John Ashton. And today on The Approach Shot, we have a a, a friend of mine, a great guy, and someone that you all know as the host of the television show Cheaters. He was the host for 10 years, also an avid golfer, you know, kind of an avid golfer. He owns clubs. He owns (laughs) clubs. Welcome to the show, Joey Greco. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, Pleasure to be here. And yes, I still have my clubs. But you know, what's funny is you can tell how passionate you are by the shape of your golf shoes. (laughs) The last time I had the opportunity to play, I went to grab my shoes like, oh, you know, someone's like, you want to come play in a member guest? I was like, yeah. I went to grab my golf shoes and they kind of deteriorated. (laughs) <laughs> well, had deteriorated because it wasn't they weren't leather sold obviously mm-hmm. and i went but they were good shoes you know i was like man these are snappy shoes when i got them and i, I took them out of the back here what is all this brittly stuff around my and then i realized it was the sole of my shoe coming apart <laughs> so there's one indictment <laughs> i'll bet the way you played that day um it wasn't just the shoes that it had deteriorated you know what's funny you're going to laugh at me. Anyone who's played knows that this is so typical of your golf game. You had a great round, didn't you? Man, yeah. I hit all better than I had. <laughs> and, and that I had uh, like a shoulder issue that I had just gotten a cortisone shot. So, and I'm playing with these guys, this group of guys, and it was, uh, there were probably three groups of four, so 12 altogether. Mm-hmm. They said, come play in this member. And I didn't take my driver out of the bag. I was three woods. Uh, I was like hit by three off the tee. And I'm, you know, I'm not going to boast because it's not like, a, well, I kind of am bragging a little bit. <laughs> go, so go ahead. Little, what the hell? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Humble brag. <laughs> I'm a little humble brag. They were really hitting the ball well. Mm-hmm. And I was right with them with my three. There you go. I've taken golf lessons before. And one of the things that it just amazed me with one particular golf instructor and he just said, forget about length of your backswing. He goes, just think about this. Just think, you know, we're going you know, three o'clock to nine o'clock, mm-hmm. three o'clock to nine o'clock. That's all I want you to think about with your arms. That's it. And, but this is what I want you to focus on with your follow-up. I was hitting the ball so cleanly with loft that I'd never hit before mm-hmm. on, in, in my mind, an abbreviated swing and length that, I mean, I was hitting my, my eight iron was flying 150 yards. Well, now you're going to screw up my entire bag because (laughs) (laughs) don't know what to pick anymore. (laughs) Oh yeah. And, and who knows what's, who knows if I'm going to able to, obviously when you get off of the practice tee with the instructor, Mm -hmm. then everything goes to the, turns into a dumpster fire. But on this particular day, I hit the ball better than I had. You know, That's great, then I remembered. So then you remember your bad habits and you bring them back and, and everything falls. Right, yeah. Then I started. I have a, a golf instructor I have an argument with because he, the follow through is so important. And I say, why? Because the ball leaves the face of the club as soon as you make contact. So why does all of that movement from the time the ball leaves the face of the club to when you finish, why does that make any difference at all? And no one's been uh-huh. able to explain it to me so that I can understand that they understand. 
It's just kind of like, hey, it is the way it is. Stop asking and just do it. And well, I, and I think what what kind of helps is as I started to focus on what he was trying to share, mm-hmm. he's, you know, he was saying, I want you to clip the ball this way. So your divot is going on this path rather than that path. When I did that, it, it just enabled me to get a much cleaner, you know, like ball to club face, mm-hmm. much cleaner contact, much crisper. And evidently then you allow the, the club to do its work instead yeah. of you do it yeah. for the club. Yeah. I keep hearing that. Let the club do the work. I know. Right. And what uh, fun is that? And uh, this is a goofy story because there, we all know there are tons of instructors out there and a lot of them are really good, but man, some guys, I want to go, please just look at your audience because I was practicing and next to me was an instructor and a young, you know, I'd say a, a teenager, early, mid teens, mm-hmm. maybe this instructor's, you know, teaching this guy in the middle of his lesson. He goes, now remember and listed off about 10 things. I had to move. <laughs> I got up and moved because he kept talking and he was screwing me up. I was like, dude, I got one thought in my head. But with you blabbering about the 10 things that this kid's <laughs> never going to remember, you know, I have to go someplace else to practice. So, yeah. uh, so got some, uh, some lessons not too long ago on chipping. And, and the guy said, you want to have the ball land on the green like a butterfly with sore feet. And I just <laughs> thought that was so expressive. <laughs> yes, very fancy. Still can't do very- it, but. Man, it sounded good. Never seen a butterfly rub its feet, so maybe that's, you know, a little bit more in our heads than in reality. I, I think you're just coming up with the wrong picture there, Neil. I'm sorry, man. That's right. Got, got it about halfway, and then I lost it completely. So, so, so uh, Joe, you're, you're friends with this reprobate? You know this guy? Uh, yeah. And you, and you admit it? You know, well, yeah. a little late now. But. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm just glad to know he has friends. That's really good. No, yeah. So well, I right. well one, <laughs> one, right? At least, at least one. Yeah. But no, we. Uh, I worked on a project, uh, and this is going back. Uh, I guess is it about nine years now. About ten, nine or ten years. Yeah. Ten years, and uh, that Mike was uh, was involved with, and and uh, and actually, it is just, you know, who knows the weird trails that something or pathways that something goes on, but Gabriel just started sending me messages that it's on the air somewhere. We, we've actually had it on the air and nobody's paid you a dime um, on uh, the Nashville network and a couple of things, a couple of stations that they're involved in. I think he gets about $42 and 18 cents a quarter and he promises <laughs> to share with us, but and I this, haven't man. got my check yet. <laughs> and there was a Dick Van Dyke show. You guys remember the Dick Van Dyke show? Yep, I do. There was a great show called Bupkis, where apparently they had created some kind of a show and they got all kinds of legal involved because they weren't getting paid. And at the very end of the show, uh, Rob Petrie opens his check and I think it was like 16 cents. <laughs> and that's that's pretty close to what you and I can expect from from our Ghost Breakers uh, time together. Yeah. But, hey, you know, well, it, it, no, it okay. actually was a funny show. I've gotten I've gotten one cent checks from uh, SAG, so oh, <laughs> so that'll be an improvement. <laughs> we're we're on the approach shot with Joey Greco, and and right before we come came on, um, you told a great story about golfing in Hawaii. I think these guys need to hear this. All uh, right, okay. Well, and and I think the I think it was Mauna Kea, Ooh, but okay. there's the that par three over the cove or over the bay. It was a little tough out there and I was a single. So mm-hmm. I just kind of paired up with a, with a group of other players. Mm-hmm. You know, I might have been getting a little beat up because the wind and then in the cove, you're, you know, we're right by the, the water. And the, it was like 210, 215 where the, where the pin was from the T bot. And I just went, all right, well, let me, let me give this two iron a, you know, ride and see what happens <laughs> under intense pressure with the wind and I had such focus I hiked one of the best two irons uh, in my of my life straight as an arrow and right on the pin in front of and, strangers uh, in front of strangers oh, yes very and nice that, 
there were two Asian gentlemen. Mm-hmm. And, and as I turned around to, uh, to go back to the cart, they were standing watching at the back of the tea box and they both just bowed. <laughs> In unison, it was perfect. And I just, I, thought, I gave them that obligatory wave. <laughs> At what point has it occurred to you that for the first 16 holes, when they hit good shots, you never bowed? Uh, you know, uh, well, I'm American, so That's okay. right. <laughs> we're entitled. No, I. <laughs> Maybe just a wave. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, you know, everyone, you know, when it's, you're always on your, uh, I don't want to say always, often most people are on their best behavior when playing with strangers. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. That, which is a little different than the, this other crew that I used to play with in Dallas. And, uh, <laughs> there were three other guys in this group and there was my buddy and I, and we were always cart partners mm-hmm. and then these other two cats we nicknamed them the drunkle heads <laughs> because <laughs> they always wanted a bet they weren't very good and we you know it almost became don't do that well um then we said all right well if you want to and so we knew there was a sequence that you really had to pay attention to because they'd start drinking and I don't know what else may have been included in their in that um, in that recipe. <laughs> the first six holes were, you know, they they weren't good players mm-hmm. at, at that time. I mean, I don't know where they are now. They might be still practicing. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, but they weren't good. So the first six holes, you knew you were pretty safe. Mm-hmm. Now they continue drinking, and the middle six holes, they actually were able to pull a shot out. Every now and again. So sure. you didn't quite know. It's like, all right, now ease off on your betting, on your betting lines, right? <laughs> You're going to pull back. Now the third, the last six, they continued drinking. So they were back to now being too drunk to bad in the middle. My, my nerves are kind of calmed down in the middle six. Now yeah. we keep drinking because we're feeling good and now we can't see. So. <laughs> The sequence was bet the first six or the last six kind of pull back in the middle on the middle six. <laughs> don't bet and the middle six words to live by. Man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can we go and ask, ask a couple questions about your time as the host of cheaters. Sure. Um, one thing I always wondered is did the perpetrators of the um, situation, did they ever try to justify to you what they were doing? I mean, like kind of feeling guilty and, and, Hoping that you understood what they were about? It wasn't uncommon. Okay. It didn't always happen that way, but it, it, it was, you know, often someone would, and, and, you know, and as you say that, John, there, there was one of my, one of my favorite episodes involved a, a guy named Chester. And okay. I don't know why, but I just enjoyed using his name as much as I could during <laughs> this particular okay. case. He was a horseman. So we had some, so we had some stock. And he had some acreage and he would, he would, um, you know, had like a little barn on it, but he would take a, his paramour out to the, uh, out to the, you know, see the horses and, mm-hmm. and they'd have a campfire and, you know, he would conduct his business out on the range, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So we have a crew and there are about maybe 25 altogether. 25 to 30, when you think of all the cameramen, their backups, right. the security guys, just everyone, the other producers, everyone that was involved. And it's in the middle of nowhere in Texas. It's at night. There are no streetlights. We're out kind of walking through this field and there is a crop, there's a cropping of trees and the, we can see the fire beyond the trees mm-hmm. where they were. So we're kind of sneaking up using these trees as cover and, you know, everyone's quiet lights are all off, blah, blah, blah. You know, we start to get close. And then there was a particular point where the horses were just grazing around, round about them. One of the horses kind of perked up and, you know, was startled and started trying, trying away or kind of, you know, you know, flitted away. And the guy jumps up and goes, Hey, who's out there? 
And everyone turned the lights on at that point, And it was just turned into a theater all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. With all these lights, horses running all over the place, people running all over. He was chasing people. He grabbed a horse whip and he was chasing after the cameraman. He was hitting the cameraman and doing all this <laughs> kind of stuff. And I just thought, you know, there are those times when things happen and you just, you, you slow motion. It, it turns into slow motion, but in your head you go, all right, well, he's hitting everyone with a whip, I guess. You know, I, I guess I can't, you know, put myself above that. So if I deserve to be here with the whip, I, I, I'll, I, you know, it'll be good TV, I suppose. <laughs> let me just, let me just stand here and, and let's see what happens. So, you know, he's hitting everyone else with the whip and I'm standing there and then he gets to me and I'm just standing looking at him going, well, what are we going to do here? And, uh, and he goes, Joey, Joey. And he starts talking to me, like kind of explaining what happened. Uh-huh. Like it was all thing yep. anyway. Um, his girlfriend wasn't too thrilled with it because, um, when we got up there, uh, his, uh, he, he didn't have any pants on, Uh right? (laughs) So he kind of got caught red handed, but, uh, as we're going back, the girl says, you know, she has enough. She's going back to the van. Everyone's going back to the van. We go back through this field and he's following us going, no, 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 baby, come here, come here, baby, come here. Oh, let me explain. And then he goes, Joey, Joey, you gotta let me talk to my baby, Chester. I don't know what you want me to say. I mean, you, you were, he goes, but I, you know, she doesn't want to talk to you. And he goes, but, but, but I love my, she's my baby. I love her. And I go, but Chester, you're out here with another woman and, and he, your pants were off, man. You had no pants on. And he got this blank look on his face for about a second and a half, two seconds. And he just goes, and then all of a sudden he snapped and he goes, but Joey, because something bit me on the ass and I had to see what it was. <laughs> <laughs> Lots more stories with Joey Greco. I'm John Ashton. Neil Michaels and I will be right back. Stick with us right here on The Approach Shop. Hey, John, I'm so excited. My every plate box arrived. You know that I do the grocery shopping and cooking at my house, so I was really excited to see what every plate had to offer. I mean, I already knew every plate is the cheaper alternative to takeout or delivery, and that every plate offers contactless delivery right to your door. But I gotta tell you, I wasn't sure how good the meals would be, because this is America's best value kit with meals priced at $2.99 per meal for three weeks. You heard me, $2.99 per meal. That's less than a cup of coffee and way less than every other home meal kit. But the proof is in the food. Not to make your mouth water, Okay, maybe a little bit. Last night, I made these incredible pork chops with an amazing sauce, mashed potatoes, and zucchini. It was so delicious. And from box to our dinner plates, it took only 30 minutes with simple-to-follow instructions. So, tonight, it's going to be chicken sausage linguine. Be jealous. Be very jealous. Or better yet, get three weeks of every plate meals for yourself. For only $2.99 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering the code APPROACH3. That's $2.99 per meal at everyplate.com and enter APPROACH and the number 3. Thanks for hanging with us on The Approach Shot. We are back with Joey Greco. Joey, we wanted to get into the one thing you and I had, had talked about for years, which is you being the host of Cheaters, but also being the son of a preacher. How did that mesh in the family? I think I was fortunate to have a family that was very supportive of, you know, my career and escapades. And, uh, you know, wh- while I don't feel that I was cut out of the same cloth as the rest of the crew. I mean, the, the, the Grecos are, are kind of a wacky bunch <laughs> to say, you know, but, um, our pod of Grecos, you know, maybe I was a little, I was an outlier and there was a little black sheep and they were like kind of a little bit possibly conservative. The underlying goal for me on the show was, you know, no one likes a bully. Right. And, and this is even before, you know, all the no bully campaigns came out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there is such a thing, and you know, as emotional bullies, mm-hmm. who doesn't want to stand up for someone who's being taken advantage of? 
So those were some of the things that provided, I guess, the basis of my approach in conjunction with my faith, which I think uh, is one of those things you can't force someone to recognize your set of morals and ethics. If that's not their foundation, you can't force them to agree to something. However, what you can do is point them in a direction that may provide some better outcomes and better choices. Mm -hmm. And, you know, combining that with my background in psychology and counseling, which I have a bachelor's in psychology and a master's in counseling and education, you know, it just gave me a a little bit of a different perspective and angle Mm -hmm. that, you know, hopefully we were able to provide or speak into someone's life something happened a couple of weeks ago and I was really amped up about it. And I, I hesitate to talk about it because it's, it's not about me, but I think it's, it's appropriate here because of an opportunity that I feel like I missed. Long story short, I stopped a crime from taking place. I saw it happening and I rolled my window down and I, I yelled at the guy, <laughs> you know, so a guy took a purse out of someone's car, an unlocked car. You know, I, I saw him crouch down. You can tell it wasn't his. Yeah. It was pink. You know, that it's, that's not your bag, buddy. And, and I roll my window down because I was in the car and I pointed at him and said, Hey, put that back. And you can, and he kind of got startled a little bit. Like, who's, are they talking to me? Yeah. And I was like, Hey, put it back now. And I'm, I'm pointing at him and he sees me and he backed up and he put it back in the car. I'm amped up because now I'm ready to fight crime through the city. I'm ready to like, <laughs> let me take a spin around the block. But, but, right. and he kind of, Gave me a thumbs up, like, okay, are we cool now? Mm-hmm. Are we okay? Like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, we're cool now. And, and I wish I would have thought more quickly to just call him over to the car, just to say, that's not who you are. You're better than that. If you need money for lunch or food, here's 20 bucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that's not the person that you are. You're better than that. And you can tell and, by how quickly he put it back. Well, you know, you know that he knew. Yeah. You know, I, I just wish that I would have been able to think quickly enough for, in order just to say an encouraging word. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that there's not enough of that. I mean, everyone's quick to tear people down, yeah. but we're not as quick to build people up. And if people get built up too quickly or people achieve some level of success, is everyone happy? No, there are people that are always going to be like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, let's drag them back down exactly. to our level. Yeah. And it's like, no, can't let's continue to push people to greater heights and to be better and, but yeah. just continue to improve. And, um, and so that's why I say that is in, in the show, the encouragement to allow someone or encourage someone to be a better version okay. of themselves and sure. who they are. So that's great. I also, I, you know, very coincidentally, I'm also a, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. PK. Although and you I, ended up on, I prefer the term TO. Uh, theological offspring. It just sounded better. Than okay. Preacher's kid. okay. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I got, away, I got away with a lot of stuff being a preacher's kid, man. I really did. Um, but also was held to a much higher standard than, than right. my con- companions and compatriots were. Well, Joey, I remember when, you know, when you were doing the show and you and I used to talk about it and you would say, you know, I'm not going to go down this road where this is only about catching people doing bad. I want to be in a position where I can either help repair this or maybe this is what this relationship needed to get back on track. And I want to be able to make sure that that's a part of this or I don't want to do it. Equip people with information. And it's unfair for one party to have information that they're using to influence their interactions within the relationship that the other person isn't privy to. So yeah. once you start saying, all right, well, it doesn't mean you need to be together or stay together. However, at one point in time, this is a person that you loved and respected. Somewhere along the way, it started branching and going in different directions. What caused that? If that can't be repaired, if you choose to continue to go in different directions, then then fine. Yeah. But at least have that conversation and be open because, you know, where they say darkness can't hide in the light. You know, I mean, things start making sense when you get more information. Behavior starts making sense when you get 
all the information. And there's always something, you know, and, and, and what's funny is in real estate, learn how to be a pretty good interrogator. This applies in so many different things because if something doesn't make sense, you know, there, there are times when you, you don't bother. You're, it's not that big of a deal because you're not that invested. Right. But when someone comes to you and they said, I, you know, I, I need some help with the situation. Well, explain to me the situation. Well, this is what I need. Okay, well, that doesn't seem quite right. Can you tell me about that? A little bit more about that. Oh, well, this, oh, well, really? That doesn't sound quite right. Can you, can you, you know, expound yeah. on that? Yeah. And you just dig and dig and dig until you get someone's true and accurate motivation. You know, someone can say, uh, we need to sell our house. Okay, great. How can I help you? Well, uh, we just need to sell a house. So, oh, you know, what's, what's the motivating factor? What can, you know, well, is it, what's causing that? Or often it's obvious a relocation mm-hmm. or someone's buying a house, whatever the transaction is. But until you really dig down and get the motivation, we need to sell this house for A, B, and C. Okay, now, you know, someone's mother, someone has to put their, their mother can't be alone anymore. They need to move her down. They need to find another place. They want to be close to where they can care for their family. You know, those things really help you get a greater understanding of the situation you're dealing with because life or death, a baby, a marriage, what am I trying to say? Someone being born, having having a child, or someone passing away, mm-hmm. a marriage, or changing homes, buying or selling a house, uh, are among the top stressors in, in someone's life. Yeah. The more information you have to equip yourself, it kind of all ties back to ask questions. And you can see in relationships when you know what they say, when trust is low, tension is high. Mm-hmm. From your psycho- psychology background, your counseling background, you know that you need the information in order to know how to correctly address the situation because you don't want to give them bad advice, and, but you have no. to know what's going on in order for you to understand and participate. Often people will treat the symptom rather than treating the problem. Yeah, That might get a short period of relief, but the problem still exists. So it's like, let's ask and dig down, drill down until you get to the issue and address that and then, then decide, but let's, let's everyone play with the same set of rules. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't, you'd always ask the, like, for example, if it was a guy that was, that had a paramour is that was the term that we used on the show. So if he had a girlfriend on the side, then would it be okay if she dated someone on the side? And then it would be, oh no, no, no. Well, why not? Let's, let's everybody play with the same set. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to say I didn't, I, I might not have been um, provocative with some of my, <laughs> some of my questions. It but, was showbiz after all, Joey. Come on, it's, man. You know, it's uh, right. now that we have proved that Joey is very deep on some major levels, can we lighten it up a little bit? Let's 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 get them in the six pack mode, man. Let's do that. Let let's do that after this. Um, let's let's take a break right now. I'm sure that when people tuned in to listen today, they were thinking Joey Greco cheaters, but what they got was Joey Greco golf, Joey Greco psychologist, Joey Greco real estate agent. Then oh yeah, there's this cheaters thing that you also did. So um, we're going to come back and hit Joey with the six pack of questions right after this. Hey, John, I'm so excited. My every plate box arrived. You know that I do the grocery shopping and cooking at my house, so I was really excited to see what every plate had to offer. I mean, I already knew every plate is the cheaper alternative to takeout or delivery, and that every plate offers contactless delivery right to your door. But I got to tell you, I wasn't sure how good the meals would be, because this is America's best value kit with meals priced at $2.99 per meal for three weeks. You heard me. $2.99 per meal. That's less than a cup of coffee and way less than every other home meal kit. But the proof is in the food. Not to make your mouth water. Okay, maybe a little bit. Last night I made these incredible pork chops with an amazing sauce, mashed potatoes, and zucchini. It was so delicious. And from box to our dinner plates, it took only 30 minutes with simple to follow instructions. So, tonight, it's going to be chicken sausage linguine. Be jealous. Be very jealous. Or better yet, 
Get three weeks of EveryPlate meals for yourself for only $2.99 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering the code APPROACH3. That's $2.99 per meal at everyplate.com and enter APPROACH and the number three. All right, we are back. John Ashton, along with Neil Michaels, Joey Greco. It is time for the six-pack. Joey, you're about to be six-pack. You are. Six-pack of questions for Joey Greco. Joey. Yes. Of all the people you have ever played golf with, who is the favorite person you have played with? Oh, see, now this now this is a little, this is tricky because um, there's no bad day on the golf course. I always have a good time when I go to play, but one of the more memorable times that I went to play was with uh, Brendan Morrow, former Dallas star. Wow. Wait, hold on. Let me pick up that name for you. Okay. Yeah, you go. you're going to get that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, on the other side of things, who's the person you would most like to play around with? Bill Murray. Just because he's funny and interesting? Just because you you know it's going to be a good time. It would be a very good time. (laughs) What's what's the most embarrassing thing that happened to you on a golf course? Or the most embarrassing thing that you did? Uh, Let's see. Hang on. Get ready for another name drop. I broke someone's window. It was, <laughs> nice. it was windy. It was windy. <laughs> nice shot. <laughs> uh-huh. But, but, and I'm trying to remember where he played college football, but at the time he was a cornerback for the New York Jets, Aaron Glenn. Mm. Oh, I know Aaron right. Glenn. Yeah, so, sure. So we're playing at this course and, and, uh, you know, I hit with a draw. The wind took it a little bit. And all of a sudden, we just hear, <laughs> I went, oh, son of a biscuit. Now. And, and you know, what are you going to do? You're not going to run, yeah. you know? And it's like, a, right. so, you know, I walk over to the fence and, and, and I, <laughs> and he was so cool. He brought me my golf ball back. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, nice. I think this is, cause I was standing there at the, at the fence. And he's just like, hey, man, I think this is yours. And I said, dude, I apologize. I'll pay for the glass. He said, man, don't worry about it. And that, and that was it. So I didn't, I didn't have to get my, uh, my ball catcher out. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen that video of the guy who, who gets – he has a, a house on a golf course, and when people hit into him, into his yard – he lays down on the ground and pretends to be unconscious. <laughs> yes, I've seen that. <laughs> Terrific. I love that. All right, question four. Drive for show, putt for dough. In a best ball, are you showy or are you doughy? I am neither because I'm just Joey. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. You get what you, you get. It is what it is. <laughs> All right. Have you, question five, have you ever had enough to drink that you feel like you're not going to make it back to the clubhouse and had to relieve yourself on the course? I always make it back to the clubhouse. (laughs) (laughs) In case anyone's listening. (laughs) The interesting thing is we had somebody on a couple of weeks ago who did a wonderful job of dodging that question by telling a story about one of his friends. <laughs> well, you know, it's, there is a good story that I have with one of my buddies. But, you know, at the turn, there's the little, you know, the, the club, the little mini clubhouse, mm-hmm. you know, with the restroom. And, and he goes, man, we, we got to get back to the club. We got to get back to the, we got to get back, turn around. We got to go back. We got to go. Hell, <laughs> he goes, he's going, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I'm going to make it. And you know that. You know that little trot that someone does when their legs are, they're holding their legs together and the only thing moving are their feet, yet they have to do this little forward lean like Sonic. So they do this little Sonic lean and the only thing, everything, their arms are down to their sides, their legs are pinned together and their only thing are moving are this on their tippy toes, leaning forward, doing this little mini trot. And I laugh so hard. There you go. I love it. All right. And the last question, the sixth question is a little bit less uh, on on that side of things. And, and because we are the approach shot, in your approach to life, is there one rule you live by? Oh, man. Try and be a better person than I was the day before. That's awesome. Amen. Wow. You know. 
we went from a P story to that in like a minute. That's <laughs> awesome. Oh, well, I, we- I hate to break this to you, but it was worse than a P story. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Joey, Joey Greco, gosh, it's been great having you here and, and nice to catch up with you, my friend. Um, having you on, on uh, the approach shots probably been my highlight so far. I appreciate it. Thanks for the interest. And um, always, always a pleasure to, to catch up and sit down and have a few laughs. Golly Croup, one of the funniest women on the planet, is coming up next. Hang with us right here on The Approach Show. There's a story I heard at the club I was playing golf at last week. A guy, he was out there having a great time playing 18 holes. While he was doing that, his house was being stolen. Now, not like, you know, jacked up off the foundation and being driven down the road. It was much more subtle than that. It was all done online because cyber criminals can do that now. They can go online and find the title to your home. It is there online. Then they forge your signature on a quit claim deed and they refile as the new owner of your home. You are off the title. They destroy you. They take out loans against your home. They steal the cash. They stick you with the payments. And you probably don't even know it until you start getting late payments or even foreclosure notice. Okay, so here's what you need to do right now. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim. Then use code RADIO. For 30 days free protection, that's code radio, hometitlelock.com, and get 30 free days of protection. Hometitlelock.com, code radio. And now, it's time for Golf is a Funny Game. (laughs) Back to your hosts, John Ashton and Neil Michaels. And we're back. And, John, it is that time. It's our favorite time every week. It's Golf is a Funny Game. Today we have with us Ms. Galley Krupp. Uh, she has performed at the Comedy Store, Flappers, Ice House. She is the winner of five comedy competitions in L.A. and recently finished a comedy special with comedy legends Sinbad, Louie Anderson, and Jeff Allen. And she's probably wondering how in the hell she got booked on our show after that. <laughs> this, this is what obviously somebody talked to her before that other stuff happened. You know, <laughs> but first, uh, Gally, want to say hello. Thanks for joining us here on the approach side. And my first question to you would be is how many emails do you get addressed to Gail? Because that's what happens every time I put your name in spell check changes it to Gail. Yeah, that's the, always the case. I actually changed my name to Gail officially. <laughs> I had no choice. Do they have golf courses in Israel? They do, beautiful ones. Hmm. If you heard about Caesarea? No. Yeah, it's an ancient town. Yeah, very expensive, very beautiful. Yeah, golf is pretty big in Israel. They also use the golf balls to shoot over the neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> Everything turns into a weapon in Israel. We gotta use everything. <laughs> we have a budget cut for our defense budget. The good news is we have all these golf balls. Yeah. <laughs> everything has the potential to to help these. I was in the army too, so I haven't used golf course back then. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I have heard that that basically, if life didn't suck for many people, there'd be no comedians. You kind of had an experience that that turned your life around a little bit and drove you to the comedy road, didn't it? Yeah, uh, I think so. It comes from inside. It's such a deep, dark place Mm -hmm. that it's actually funny. It's (laughs) the darker, the funnier. So (laughs) you heard about, you heard about the sad clown, right? So that's the the syndrome that most comedians have. And it's just a way it's, it's a coping mechanism. So basically we're just, we're messed up yeah, <laughs> and well, we need you to listen to our problems. That's right. <laughs> it's also, we just dump it. There's something about us that delights at the misfortune of our friends. We love to laugh at other people's problems. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a human thing. And comedians, we don't have money for therapy. So we use our audience. <laughs> we put them in a big room and then we start. And they have no choice. The door is locked. They're already paid. <laughs> Nowhere to go. So that's usually the case. I'm a mild case, to be honest. Really? I wasn't 
some experience it's like the army and mm-hmm. i also think you 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 were technically trained right engineering yeah that yeah. that's a whole different side of the brain from comedy isn't it you'd be surprised that there's a lot of math in comedy <laughs> yeah you're right i would there's be surprised. a lot of formulation <laughs> there's a lot of formulation uh the structure of jokes can be very mathematical and mm-hmm. it's just i you know how many engineer friends i have that are professional comedians many Really? Many. And they're very funny. They're very good. Yeah. Because if both sides of the brain work well, it's 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 a good combination. <laughs> when, when you create jokes, do you actually do it formulaically? I don't. It starts as an idea. But down the road, eventually, yeah, I use some kind of uh, formula. Really? Do you have jokes that you do on every set that you just know are winners? Oh, absolutely. Every, every comedian has that. We have all, what we call bread and butter. It just always Which, works, and then a lot of experiments around it. Bread and butter also sounds like what comedians eat for the first year while they're performing. <laughs> oh, for the rest of their life. <laughs> <laughs> what are a couple of yours? For the rest of their lives. Mine was the bread. <laughs> it's too much. Some of your bread and butter jokes. What what hits? What What's a home run every time? Oh, I have few that always work. First of all, I joke about my accent. And I let them hear my accent, and then I tell them, well, I'm sure you noticed that I have an accent. Well, I'm from Kentucky. (laughs) Just like like John. John, you're from Kentucky, right? That's where I am right now, yeah. Although I thought it sounded a lot more like Indiana, but that's okay. It's got to be. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Depends. If I'm in Kentucky, I say Indiana. Right. (laughs) I've been from Indiana before. (laughs) Do you you save some of your good... Good jokes, just in case you try one and it doesn't work, and then you have the the bread and butter one to fall back on immediately to get the audience back with you. Yeah, I, ha- I have a routine which makes sense to me anyway, <laughs> 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 and uh, I follow the routine. If it, it's very uh, difficult because I edit as I go mm-hmm. on stage, I use editing. I have an editing machine, so I notice if this type of jokes don't work or they don't make them laugh as much i have to edit and switch to a whole different thing so always based on reaction but the bread and butter they're usually short and and funny and not offensive so uh, it rarely happened that people don't laugh at them i can tell you a few more i mean yes. if you want please more jokes sure. go ahead absolutely I'm not used to talking and doing my act it's either that or that <laughs> I know my act involves talking, but not like that. Uh, so the accent is that. Oh, then I tell them, well, I'm from Israel. I'm actually mixed Israeli French, so I'm half Jewish, half racist. Like that. Uh, the joke that I normally open with is 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 true. It's based on reality. I was walking down the street one day and. I noticed a flyer on on a tree. It said, have you seen this dog? Please call. So I called and said, no. <laughs> I actually called. That was my very first year in, in the U.S. And I was so naive. I'm still naive. But I saw that sign. I'm like, oh, no. I have to help the person. I called him. And I said, I just saw your sign about your dog. I didn't see him. (laughs) It was horrible. (laughs) It was horrible, but it it made its way to my act (laughs) very quickly. (laughs) Then I said, well, I love love dogs. I actually have a cute little dog. His name is Peev. Oh, I love my pet Peev. Yeah, he's uh, 13 years old. Just had bar mitzvah. <laughs> Thirteen, you guys. That's like ninety-seven in human years. Yeah, and he still lives at home. He's <laughs> a Maltese. Do you know Maltese dogs? They're, yeah, they're, yeah that sure. beautiful little one. They have that beautiful Gorgeous. white, white privilege. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was walking him one day and someone stopped me. He said, oh, I want to pet your dog. Has he had his shots? I said, no, he quit drinking. (laughs) (laughs) 
Those tequila oh. shots made him horny. <laughs> <laughs> Mama can't afford no more puppies. <laughs> One day I was walking him. I, he had to go to the bathroom and I didn't have a poopy bag. So I grabbed my business cards and picked up his poop. Well, now I can officially say that I have a sh- shitty career. <laughs> <laughs> I took him to Petco. A sweet lady came up to me and said, Oh, your dog is so cute. What kind of breed is she? I said, Maltese, and he's a boy. Then she said, Oh, wow, how old is she? I said, 13, and he's a boy. Then she said, Oh, my God, bless her heart. I said, Thank you, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I wanted to get my cat cremated. But I don't know why everyone tells me I should wait until he dies. <laughs> <laughs> when I moved here, I went to Bank of America to open an account. They asked me, would you like checking or savings account? I said, well, I'm a comedian. <laughs> Do you have a GoFundMe account? <laughs> <laughs> a friend of mine recently told me that I've been working a lot. And he said that I need a vacation. But he said, Gal, you need to go somewhere that nobody knows your name. So I went home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, when I was in high school, my, my English teacher passed away. Hmm. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> and I was terrible at math. I was terrible at math. Yeah, mm-hmm. 50% of the time I was bored, the other 80% I slept. <laughs> I saw a guy as, as walking down the street one night. He was smoking something, leaning on a wall, almost passing out. As I walked by him, he said, hi. I said, well, I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> I kept walking on that street, and I saw two people. I don't know. They looked like homeless guys, semi-naked, making out on a bench. Oh, oh let me tell you guys, this is the worst picture that I have in my phone. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, what else? I I used to work in sales, you know, and Mm -hmm. blooming jail uh, for money. And then I started doing stand-up at night for attention. Uh, (laughs) I didn't like my job. I remember one day my boss asked me to wear a different look for a change. So I showed up looking happy. (laughs) (laughs) One day, one time we had a meeting and she said, Oh, golly, if you stay working for us, what do you think you'll be doing five years from now? I said, crying. (laughs) (laughs) One day I was late for work. She asked me, hey, what happened? I told her my dog went all over the carpet. I had to clean it. She said, oh, come on. Now look at me and tell me the truth. I said, you're ugly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you're laughing, but I lost my job. (laughs) Now I'm broke and I shop at a 99 cent store. And you know, sometimes I drive by the Dollar Tree. And I say to myself, "Mm, someday. (laughs) I used to have goals. (laughs) (laughs) That's a big one. (laughs) I actually like the Dollar Tree. You guys have the Dollar General, right? Oh, yeah. Can understand now why people call you the funny little Jewish girl, though. Oh, they do? Uh, I didn't know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they, they whisper it behind your back. Social media is wonderful. It is. It is indeed. Uh, Galley crew, that's good stuff. You're going to be anywhere outside of Los Angeles where, you know, real people can go and see it? I'll be in my bedroom for the rest of the year. <laughs> this year has been a, a dream come true. I took NyQuil back in February. I just woke up. <laughs> do you do shows on online for people or uh, are you just not working? Not working. Uh, I had few shows outdoors because, mm-hmm. you know, California, there's a lot outdoors. So it was not bad. Online, to be honest, not really my thing. It's very difficult. Yeah. yeah that was great. You guys are 
good audience. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we are just happy that we could give you an outlet. <laughs> That's right. Because <laughs> it was very, me, very entertaining for let, us, at least. Let me also let people know that uh, people can see some of your uh, previous comedy stuff at galleycrewcomedy.com, and that's G-A-L-I-K-R-O-U-P comedy.com. Thanks for making that easy to spell. Um, <laughs> but, but that's where we saw some of uh, your, your comedy before. And I have to tell you, oh, I've oh. heard some of the jokes that you just told, and they're just as funny the second and third and fourth time. Oh, good to know, because I'm sick of them. (laughs) (laughs) Golly group. And don't call her Gail. Do appreciate you spending some time with us here on the approach side. And that's it. The premiere episode of The Approach Shot. We want to thank our guests, Joey Greco and comedian Golly Krupp. Our next episode features a conversation with personality expert Merrick Rosenberg and comedian Rajiv Satya. Please check out our website, ApproachShot.net. Leave a review there and share us with your friends. On behalf of my co-host, Neil Michaels, I'm John Ashton. And remember, golf is like life. Perfection is unattainable. You just do the best you can and finish all the holes. Fix your divots and ball marks and try to leave it a little better for the next guy. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. You only want what's best for your baby. And so does BJ's. BJ's offers a variety of baby products that will take you from playtime to bath time to bedtime and beyond. Shop now through September 24th at BJ's for $3 off Johnson's, Aveeno, or Desitin baby products. Only the best will do when it comes to caring for your little ones and for parents, too. Give your baby that special care and save big at BJ's.